0: Unity Water is proud to sponsor this podcast series because we believe great news, great solutions and great outcomes deserve to be shared. See what we're all about at unitywater.com. You're listening to the Australian Water Association's podcast series. This is Hazel Flynn, and with me now is Simon Fain, Associate Professor and Research Director at the Institute for Sustainable Futures, the University of Technology, Sydney. Hello, Simon.
1: Hello. Um,
0: you're an expert in what's coming over the horizon in terms of you know, better water usage, better efficiency. A lot has changed in Australian cities since the Millennium Drought in the way we use water, hasn't it?
1: Yeah, The um, well, the Millennium Drought was really a sort of watershed if you want to coin a phrase in terms of water efficiency in our cities and it's quite Australia is still considered world leading in terms of what happened in the millennium drought and the impact we had on our water use per capita we're still using um, less water than we were before the drought in many of our major cities despite population growth Uh, but that the drivers for that efficiency obviously have have uh, haven't been there since since the drought. We're still uh, seeing a lot that is uh, happening in terms of uh, things such as the wells scheme um, and other uh, regulatory initiatives, but the big demand management programs where the utilities spent hundreds of millions of dollars uh, are no longer occurring.
0: And that wells scheme, the water efficiency labelling and standard scheme, was launched in two thousand and three. So, I mean, you mentioned it. Uh, how effective have it and initiatives like it been in driving that behavioural change?
1: Well, it's, it's been um, well, it's it's, it's considered world leading, and um, even to the point now that uh, there's they're looking at an international standard for water efficiency and labelling, and um, they're looking at Wells as the model for that at an international level. So. Um, Other schemes uh, across the globe tend to be voluntary, where ours has been mandatory. So if you want to sell plumbing products and white goods in Australia, you have to have a label. And that label allows customers at the point of sale to make the choices and they have made the choices for uh, more efficient um, appliances and more efficient uh, plumbing goods and it's, it's had a very large impact. It's, it's saved hundreds of gigalitres of water.
0: What have been some of the other drivers of reduced consumption, things that have kept us on that path?
1: I guess this the Millennium Drought um, had a very big impact, I think, on populations in general, just the ethic of water conservation, whether that is now starting to erode. It's, it's now um, it's nearly... It's not quite ten years, but it's it's a long time since since that drought. And but there is certainly an ethic towards water conservation that we still have. Uh, we have also, I guess, moved into an era of looking at um, livability and be- other benefits from from water. So the the water industry uh, may have sort of moved on, but the potential for water efficiency is still there. And one of the key things is that uh, the plumbing products and um, white goods have continued to get more efficient. So while um, we may be looking back and saying, well, we did everything we could in the last drought, actually there are, there are, there are new products there that we, we could be looking at.
0: Absolutely. Well, the, I mean, the reduction in the average water consumption of, of things like toilets and appliances like washing machines that has been achieved already over the last few decades is really pretty astonishing when you look at the you know the amount of water that the average toilet used to use in the 80s and now uses so what are some of those possibilities for the uh, you know the over the horizon technology that might save us even more water
1: yeah i mean if we look at if you look at toilets we um in the in the late 80s we were using single flush toilets and they were 12 or 11 litres of flush when now um what we consider the best toilets you buy now, and what most people buy, would be four and a half liters uh, or three liters. So it's less than half. But there are toilets that are now on the market, um, which you can go and buy, which are three two. So that's a 50% saving. For and you can buy those now. But into the future, um, the potential for new technologies, whether they be uh, so air assisted. So in, there are toilets in the UK that are people are trialling. That use an air blast, so they use about one or one and a half liters of water a flush. Or vacuum toilets in in Germany, they use have vacuum sewers. So the potential to sort of drop again and again is is there. And in other um, in other water-using appliances, the, the potential is also there. So uh, washing machines have. Um, Come down enormously. We had top-loading washing machines that used um, like 150 litres of wash. Uh, we a, g- a good washing machine now might be half that, a front loader, and the market has been completely shifted in Australia, and everyone buys front loaders. They use half as much water, but you can the best you can buy now are towards 50 litres of wash, and so there's maybe. From what people are currently buying to the best, there might be another 20% saving. The new technologies people are looking at: bead washers or even um, supercritical fluid washes where you wash in, um, say, liquid uh, CO2, where you don't use any water.
0: I'm having trouble getting my head around that. <laughs> how does it even work? How do you? How does bead washing and and how does CO2 washing work for the for the layperson?
1: So, so, so a, a CO two washer would it needs to be pressurised, and you're washing in liquid carbon dioxide, and so it's it's an incredible solvent, um, and then basically changes the pressure. It can come off as a gas, and your uh, your clothes are, are cleaned.
0: Amazing, a bit of a Jetsons moment, I think. <laughs> but the, the,
1: while Well, whether we'll get there, I guess is a question. Um, But I think, even if we look at the technologies that you can currently go and buy, that we aren't necessarily buying, we could easily be saving an extra 20% of current water use. And if you look at uh, a city like Sydney, which is going to grow by mid century from where it is now at five million to eight million, that kind of saving could be a hundred gigalitres a year. It's it's more than it's more than doubling the deSA plant.
0: Yes, and then predictions are that Melbourne will go the same way, eight million mid-century, and then neither of them is going to stop there. They're both going to keep going, aren't
1: they? Right. So and um, the city we're sitting in now, Brisbane, is in fact growing quicker than both of those, and um, so that starting off a smaller base, it's actually growing more quickly, so the potential to build in this efficiency as our cities grow is something you don't get another chance at, so it's something we should be looking at as a way to deal with our growing cities.
0: But not everybody in the industry is convinced that there can still be more efficiency, are they? There's a little scepticism around that.
1: I think there I think there is because they look at how much we've already saved and they see that we're doing very well compared to other places, and so it will take a bit of a reimagining. We may need to change some of the plumbing codes, for instance, for these low efficiency toilets. Um, we may need to look at new minimum standards. Um, and, uh, but I think Australia has been a world leader and could continue to be a world leader in this space. So. The, the opportunity is there and particularly when we start to link it to all that's happening very rapidly in the digital space. So the you start linking um, uh, having water efficiency appliances to uh, digital smart meters and feedback which allows people to know how much water they're using. Also the utility to know how much water people are using and, and target any Uh, campaigns to people directly, the potential for a new generation of um, demand management that is not aimed at drought but is aimed at meeting this challenge of growth that we have is certainly there to to be taken up if if we want to.
0: Well let's talk a little bit about smart water meters because they have lagged behind smart energy meters that I would say energy meters have much more awareness you know on a domestic sort of market sense. But they, they are starting to make headway, aren't they? There's a little bit of impact there.
1: Uh, there's, yes, and there's there's some good examples. Um, there's an example in uh, Mackay um, in Queensland uh, here uh, where they've put in, I think, 40,000 smart meters and they are then collecting the data for the utility but also providing that back to the customer to manage their own uh, audience um White Bay Water here also in Queensland. Another regional Queenslanders had a long uh, use of smart meters and has been quite a leader in this space. So there are examples you can point to. I think some of our major cities may have lagged a little, but the industry I think is um, uh, it, it, there are there are examples already there. We don't we're not necessarily even looking over the horizon in this space. We just Looking for where where the where, where the leaders are.
0: Mm, I see, and and you are able to look at the big picture. You can step back and and move beyond trends and see the whole kind of development. How optimistic are you that we'll get where we need to be? I, th-
1: I feel. I mean, I think I feel optimistic that we will that water efficiency will continue. It 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 is. I think uh, the customers. Want it and they embrace it. I think there's a question of um, whether the industry itself will sort of supercharge that. I, I don't know. Like I, I am sure we will end up with a lot of these technologies. I'm sure that water efficiency will continue to to play its role. But whether we choose to uh, push that forward, I think we're, we're we're at that point now where people are starting to. Come back and and look at it again. It's been um, it's been a few years where we sort of felt we'd done that and moved on to other important things. But um, the potential, I guess the thing is, if you if you don't use the water, you you didn't have to source it. You don't you didn't have to transport it. If it's hot water, you don't have to heat it. You save the energy. You save the carbon. You don't have to if you don't have to take it to the wastewater treatment plant and you don't have to treat it. So any water that you save to efficiency, it's just savings the whole way through.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Simon, for coming in and uh, sharing your perspective with us. All right. Thank you. That's been Simon Fain, Associate Professor and Research Director at the Institute for Sustainable Futures at the University of Technology, Sydney. Thank you for joining us.